August 7th. As we look into the New Testament for today's reading, we'll be narrating from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 23. We'll read about harvesting. You know, everybody has a place in the Lord's harvest, and all are doing His work. There must be no competing or comparing, for the Lord alone recognizes the work and gives the reward. It makes no difference who the servant is, so long as Jesus Christ is Lord of the harvest. And we'll read about building. Paul writes about the local church and the materials we put into it as we minister. Substituting man's wisdom for God's word means building with perishable materials that will burn up at the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll read about glorifying God. Warren Wiersbe, in his great uh, little book, Chapter-by-Chapter Bible Commentary, writes that because the Corinthian believers gloried in human teachers and human wisdom, they robbed God of the glory that rightly belonged to Him. Let no one boast in men is a command, not a suggestion. And it was Vance Havner who said, If you lack knowledge, go to school. If you lack wisdom, get on your knees. Knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. August 7th. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 23. Who is Apollos, and who is Paul, that we should be the cause of such quarrels? Why, we're only servants. Through us God caused you to believe. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. My job was to plant the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it. But it was God, not we, who made it grow. The ones who do the planting or watering aren't important. But God is important, because He is the one who makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work as a team with the same purpose. Yet they will be rewarded individually, according to their own hard work. We work together as partners who belong to God. You are God's field, God's building, not ours. Because of God's special favor to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Now anyone who builds on that foundation may use gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But there is going to come a time of testing at the judgment day, to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will bring ruin upon anyone who ruins this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you Christians are that temple. Stop fooling yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you will have to become a fool so you can become wise by God's standards. 
For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the Scriptures say, God catches those who think they are wise in their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are worthless. So don't take pride in following a particular leader. Everything belongs to you, Paul and Apollos and Peter, the whole world and life and death, the present and the future. Everything belongs to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself. I have been crucified with Christ. Think about that. I have been crucified with Christ. My nature has been changed. To be crucified with Christ means our sins are subdued and our old nature is conquered. Through the living word and spirit of Christ dwelling within us. You see, Paul's crucifixion cannot be understood by Jesus' outward crucifixion upon the material cross. But this is to be understood as Christ's inward and spiritual crucifixion. Through the word of righteousness and life that dwelt in him. And according to this, all the faithful throughout all ages are crucified with Christ in this same way. Once a believer is regenerated by the inner workings of the Spirit of Christ, then Paul says the old man should hardly be recognized as living and reigning in that person anymore. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. This is an inner crucifixion. Crucifixion is the agony of God of what it takes to rid humanity of themselves. Before the Spirit of Christ can live within me, I myself must be dead. This is what Paul was writing about in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Our old self. That is, all that we were in our old, unregenerate condition before union with Christ is dead. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. 
Ask yourself, have I been united together in the likeness of his death? Well, do you see the likeness of his resurrection in you? For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Today we're reading Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11. We'll read about the praises before the storm. David called on the angels in heaven to ascribe praise to God. You never know when a storm is coming, so be sure you're worshiping Him and giving Him all the glory. The greatest beauty of all is the beauty of holiness, and it comes from worshiping the Lord. There's power in the storm. First, the thunder rolled over the Mediterranean Sea. Then the storm broke and moved across the land. Seven times the storm is called the voice of the Lord. What power there is in a storm! Even the angels shout glory as they watch it. And then there's peace after the storm. David may have seen a rainbow and remembered God's promise given after the flood. God set as king at the flood, and he is still king. No storm is greater than God. If you trust him, the storm will bring glory to God. If life is stormy just now, worship him and wait on him. The storm will pass and He will give you peace. Psalm 29, verses 1 through 11, a Psalm of David. Give honor to the Lord, you angels. Give honor to the Lord for His glory and strength. Give honor to the Lord for the glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf, and Mount Hermon to leap like a young bull. The voice of the Lord strikes with lightning bolts. The voice of the Lord makes the desert quake. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forests bare. In His temple everyone shouts, Glory! The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as King forever. The Lord gives His people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Proverbs 20, verses 26 and 27. A wise king finds the wicked, lays them out like wheat, then runs the crushing wheel over them. The Lord's searchlight penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. Psalm 29, 